0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Who New? A podcast from Northwestern's Pride Alumni Club. We call ourselves New Pack. I'm Alicia Gomez Shaw. I use they them pronouns. I'm a fellow Wildcat and a current member of the New Pack board. On this podcast, we'll be bringing you stories of other Northwestern alumni, centering on their identities as members of the queer community and on their lives after Northwestern. By queer, we're specifically referring to all in the LGBT, I, A, Q and two spirit plus family. For brevity, we and our guests may use our reclaimed vernacular queer. I'm so happy we can share this time together to celebrate the voices and stories of our fellow Wildcats. Your host for this podcast will be Len Ayakinta, who uses he/him pronouns, and who is also a member of the New Pack board.
1: This is Len Iquinta for Who Knew? I'm with Brian Mustansky, PhD, who is a 1999 graduate of Northwestern University. He is an international expert in the study, research, and application of knowledge in sexual and gender minority health and well-being. You're going to meet him and hear his personal story, how his experiences as a Northwestern student and a gay man led to the founding of the world's largest research and action institute focusing on sexual and gender minority health and well-being. Dr. Mustansky earned a BA with honors at NU, majoring in psychology and minoring in biological anthropology. In 2004, he earned his PhD from Indiana University in an APA accredited program in clinical psychology. In 2016, he returned to NU and earned a certificate in leadership from the School of Professional Studies. Dr. Mustansky holds major administrative and research positions at the university. He is the director of the Northwestern Institute for Sexual and Gender Minority Health and Wellbeing. He is also the co-director of the Third Coast Center for AIDS Research known as CFAR, C-F-A-R. It's a National Institutes of Health funded center spanning Northwestern University, the University of Chicago, the Chicago Department of Public Health and various community partners. Beyond all that, He is also the director of IMPACT, an LGBT health and development program of the Department of Medical Social Sciences of Northwestern University. Welcome, Dr. Miskanski, to Who Knew? Let's begin by discussing a great example of your research to community-based action approach, the Keep It Up program. Brian, please tell us why it's important, what you learned, and what your program did.
2: Hi, Len, thanks. Thanks for having me. And, uh, um, you know, I'll just say that when I was starting my career uh, about 20 years ago, the CDC was releasing information about increasing rates of HIV in young gay and bisexual men. And I was really, um, you know, uh, as a member of this community, uh, it was very important to me to identify new ways that we could help address the HIV epidemic amongst young gay and bisexual men. Uh, And I was particularly interested in ways we could reach them in ways that they hadn't been reached before. Uh, You know, there were some fabulous things going on in the community, but we know that resources are often scarce and we needed some really efficient ways that we could deliver education to young gay and bisexual men about how they could protect themselves uh, from HIV. And at the time I was working very closely with a community-based organization, which many people who've spent time on, uh, on campus at Northwestern probably know called Howard Brown Health Center. And uh, I was in discussions with their HIV testing staff about um, you know, what are some of the questions that young people ask when they come in for HIV testing, how could we help create a program that would really build on what happens during the HIV testing session, what they don't have time to cover in an HIV testing session. And we came up with the idea of developing an online program um, that would provide education, motivate risk reduction for young gay and bisexual men called the Keep It Up program. It's designed for young men that just tested HIV negative and the goal is for them to keep up their HIV negative status. And we were interested in really going beyond you know, what was happening in most places in the field of HIV prevention, where you'd start by saying, you know, HIV is a virus and here's how it's transmitted and you should use a condom and you should do this, and you should do that. And really said, you know, it's a lot more complicated than that. Um, it's about integrating these facts and information into people's real lives. How do you integrate it when you have a new boyfriend? How do you integrate it when you're at a bar and maybe you've been drinking a little bit? How do you integrate it um, you know, when you're going on an app and meeting people to hook up with? And so we decided to really take a different approach than this conventional idea of just telling people, you know, HIV is a virus and here's how it's transmitted. And instead saying like, let's integrate this knowledge of HIV prevention into the different aspects of your lives. And so we filmed a soap opera where we followed this group of young gay men dealing with thinking about condom use uh, in relationships, in dating, when they're going out to bars, how drug use might affect their behavior, and really made it real examples. We interviewed people on the streets of Chicago, and over many years, over the, over the last 15 years that we've studied Keep It Up, we've done small studies with community organizations in Chicago, in Jackson, Mississippi, New York, Atlanta. Uh, It's grown and grown, uh, the program. It's now, uh, uh, through a randomized clinical trial, the Center for Disease Control has identified it as one of the best evidence HIV prevention programs in the field. It's now being implemented in 22 community organizations throughout the United States. Uh, And uh, we're really seeing that it significantly reduces people's risk for HIV. So this is an example, I would say, of our philosophy at um, the Institute for Sexual and Gender Minority Health and Wellbeing, or ISJM as we call it, of really partnering with our communities, learning what some of the needs are in the communities, developing some cutting edge programs, often using technology, new media to address those issues, studying them in partnership with the community. And then when we learn they work, we scale them up, scale them up nationally.
1: This is a really exciting example of the power of Northwestern's interdisciplinary approach to our community in research and teaching and in translating evidence into action through community-based organizations. Uh, Dr. Musfansky, it's really quite amazing. But Keep It Up is only one program. Could you share with us briefly a broad overview of the other work you direct and co-direct there?
2: Yeah, we have... uh... Um, over a dozen researchers, faculty members at Northwestern who are core members of the Isgem Institute. Uh, and then there's about another 35 to 40 faculty members across the university in the School of Engineering, in the um, uh, Weinberg College of Arts and Sciences, in psychology, anthropology, uh, full of communications that work with us on many aspects of advancing LGBTQ health research, not just HIV, but other issues like cancer prevention, detection, smoking, substance use, chronic diseases, cardiovascular diseases, really across the board. And, and you know, our philosophy is that there's some folks who are, there's some faculty member whose primary interest is gonna be in LGBTQ health, and we've got a lot of those. And then there also are many folks who are doing exceptional work in a variety of different health issues. And we partner with them and we help them bring their exceptional work to meet the needs of the LGBTQ community. Our our philosophy in general, I would say is, you know, learn something, do something. Uh, You could probably distill it into that brief message. And so um, within the Institute, we have projects that are really understanding um, the causes of health disparities in our community. You know, what is the rate of mental health issues in our community? What are the rates of HIV? How do they occur across development? Really understanding the problem. And then we have projects that are developing interventions, developing new approaches to help um, facilitate HPV vaccination, for example, in young gay men. Really studying them, testing them, finding out they work, And then we're very active in this new emerging field of implementation science. Once you know something works, the average average, um, pattern from when a new study is released to when it's implemented in clinical practice is 17 years. A new treatment, a new test, 17 years before we see it in routine practice. And we're really trying to narrow that window when we discover something we want to facilitate it being implemented to meet the needs of our community as quickly as possible. And so we're really engaged in this emerging area of implementation science so that we can take our findings and our new evidence, and get it into the community and practice as quickly as possible.
1: Wow. I think it's impossible to overstate the impact your work will have on the sector. And it's also a model for social justice in other ways, too, isn't it? But let's turn for a bit, uh, Brian, to your experiences at and of Northwestern. Dr. Mastansky, tell us, what was it like? What was your student experience?
2: Well, I was... a uh undergraduate, you know, in the mid to late 1990s, it was a time where, um, you know, the great gay rights movement was um, accelerating and making progress, but it was also a time when a lot of people weren't comfortable being out. Um, You know, there were, uh, uh, there was a small LGBT student organization at Northwestern that um, arranged to have some social events and that was a way where many of us met each other. Um, and uh, made friends, uh, you know, through that network. Um, But, you know, there were still at that time, not a lot of people who were out uh, about being uh, members of the LGBTQ community. I'll also say that, um, you know, Northwestern was a place where I have made lifelong friends, some of them members of the LGBTQ community, some of whom who are not. And, you know, it's really, you know, I think one of the things that's always stuck with me about Northwestern is because it, is, it has um, departments and programs that are so strong in so many different areas, engineering, psychology, the arts, performance. Some of my best friends, you know, lifelong friends, are people who are you know, producers in Hollywood, people who are doing software development at Facebook, people who are fashion designers, folks who are you know, sort of this mix of physicians and scientists and artists that I've become lifelong friends with through my time at Northwestern. In fact, during the COVID pandemic, when you know we all had to start sheltering in place and staying at home, uh, we started a weekly Zoom with some of my friends from Northwestern. And I'll tell you what, almost two years later, we still have that weekly Zoom. We just had it this last uh, last night, celebrating a friend of my uh, a friend's birthday. Um, and so, you know, it's really a place where I, I made some lifelong friends that I still stay in touch with regularly today.
1: Wow, I'm curious, what do you have to say to prospective and to current NU students, Dr. Mustanski? And, and Brian, what do you have to say to alumni about preparing for and advancing into the future? And maybe in particular, what might you say to the LGBTQ communities within those groups?
2: Well, you know, as a LGBTQ identified scientist who also studies the health of the LGBTQ community, I'm really passionate about. How we're setting up uh, a pipeline of scholars and scientists who are going to advance the work of our community. Uh, You know, we don't have enough researchers, we don't have enough physicians and clinicians who have experience working with our community. If we're going to bring our community into equality, into health equality with other communities in the United States, we need more people who know how to do this work. And, you know, it's a challenging pipeline. We know that um, LGBTQ kids are more likely to be bullied in high school, more likely to have challenges with family support when it comes to college. Uh, you know, just today I was reading uh, an article um, put out by NIH where they were interviewing a scientist who talked about how often she was discouraged in her career from studying LGBTQ health, being told, you know, it's not, it's not, a, it's not a viable career. You're not gonna get funded. You're not gonna get promoted. And I think Northwestern, you know, and our Institute has really shown the possibility of of this being a viable career. And, um, you know, uh, we know that role models matter seeing people who can do this kind of work, and that you can see yourself in them. uh, It makes a huge difference. So I think you know, one of the things I would say to folks, particularly um, folks coming to Northwestern, folks who are interested in careers in LGBTQ health is it is a viable career. And there's never been a better time to be joining the SEAL. You know, it's growing year after year. There's more funding, there's more opportunities, and there's so much need. You can, you can be the first person to study a health issue in the LGBTQ community because there's so much that hasn't been studied yet. So it's a really exciting area and so much need and so much potential.
1: Northwestern has really been a leader in uh, LGBTQ plus uh, the community health for a very long time. I'm very proud of our alma mater. Brian, your life-changing innovation, research and implementation uh, takes a lot of resources, people, equipment, computational power, and God knows what else. How is this all supported? Well, you
2: know, we are fortunate to... um, that our faculty are very successful in competing for NIH funding and federal research funding for their projects, and that allows us to do a lot of this um, cutting-edge research. Uh, but also, I would say, you know, philanthropy has been really central because. You know, you don't get to start out your career and, you know, your first year as an assistant professor, it's it's not the right time to be uh, applying for NIH funding. You know, it takes years to get to the place where you can compete successfully for applying for these large grants. And so, you know, the philanthropy that we've received has just been really central for us building this pipeline of researchers, you know, Uh, fellows who are, you know, just finished their MDs and their PhDs come to work with us, get training in LGBT health, promoting them into faculty roles, giving them the resources they need to collect pilot data, get networked with other folks in their field, get the uh, resources they need to go on to apply for these large NIH grants. Um, You know, that's really uh, what philanthropy has made a a transformative impact on our ability to do this kind of work.
1: Well, I encourage all of our listeners to consider supporting this work at Northwestern with the monetary and other resources that might be available to you. And I'll tell you how at the end of this podcast. Going back to you, Professor, Brian, what's the hardest part of your work and what's the most rewarding to you?
2: Well, I'll start with the most rewarding, which is we just had our um, six-year anniversary, we did a video cast uh, where we brought back uh, one of the scholars that we trained several years ago, and she talked about how uh, working with us really impacted her career, and she's now an associate professor, and she's, uh, you know, doing some really cutting-edge research on uh, adults in the lives of young LGBT people, not pre- non-parental adults in their lives, and you know, she talked about really how uh, getting the opportunity to train with us really um, set her up for this career. And you know, so I would say like mentorship, um, getting to work with folks early in their career, giving some advice, connecting them through, to the field, uh, and seeing their careers really blossom is, is just the, the most rewarding aspect of my career, without a doubt. Um, you know, what is the most challenging? You know, I think that <laughs> I would say. Um, Uh, Lately, it's that honestly, there's, there's a lot of demand for what we do. Uh, You know, we're getting um, asked by folks across the university across the country to consult to serve on advisory boards to, um, you know, for community based organizations for federal initiatives and uh, you know we we need more people uh, we need more people in our team because uh, uh, we we hire great people and then within a couple of years they're school. and we uh, you know uh, i think just keeping up with the demand is, is a real challenge
1: well i salute you for your role that you have and it's a major role in keeping up with that demand and in increasing and the depth and reach of the field uh, i i'm just in awe of what you've done dr Mustansky, as you look back how do you think your gay identity and your career, your professional goals have interacted over the years?
2: Yeah, you know, I mean, I, th- I think that, um, you know, for me as a gay man who studies the health of, um, you know, most of my particular work is focused on young gay and bisexual men, but I also have been part of team studying trans health, studying lesbian and bisexual women's health, um, increasingly understanding the diversities of gender identities that are out there. Um, you know, I think it gives me personal knowledge of our community. It, it, you know, the work that we do is embedded in the realities of the lives of the LGBTQ people, and you know, we're not we're not observing it from a distance. You know, the folks that work at the institute, not everyone is a member of the LGBTQ community. Many people are. But we're observing it from a lens of of lived experience uh, on top of our scientific understanding of of, um, health health issues and how to address them. And so I think it's been really pivotal for me to be able to draw on my personal experiences as I'm developing research studies, interventions, providing mentorships. Um, Speaking of my own personal experiences of some of the challenges I've had in my career of um, discrimination, uh, in different settings, uh, uh, you know, allows me to sort of help pave the way, I guess, for the next generation. Uh, you know, really based on what I've had to had to address in my own life and my own career.
1: You're a real, you're a real, real pioneer, and we salute you. And the New pack is very proud to have you as a guest. And Dr. Mastansky, I'm especially pleased to reveal to you today on this Who New podcast that the NU Pride Alumni Club wants to pitch in to grow this Northwestern Institute as the epicenter of health equity and research for the LGBTQ community. So we've designated January 2022 as ISGMH month, and we're asking alumni to make financial contributions, investments in better futures. So alumni, your current or planned gift of any size, an IRA rollover or a gift through your estate can help continue to grow the impact of the ISGMH for all. I promised to tell listeners exactly how to contribute earlier. You will find details and a link to contribute on the notes accompanying this podcast or go online to https colon forward slash forward slash i s g m h dot northwestern dot edu forward slash donate. What do you think of that, Dr. Mstansky?
2: very exciting. It's really going to make an important impact on our ability to advance this work and grow this community of scholars. So thank you so much for your support.
1: Well, we are delighted to pitch in. So thank you, Dr. Brian Mustansky, for being our guest. We're grateful for your leadership and for that of Northwestern University. Go Cats! For Who Knew, this is Lena Quinta. <laughs>
0: This has been who knew. If you have questions about the podcast, New Pack, or know someone who might be interested in sharing your story, please DM us on Instagram at newpack1851 or Facebook at NU Pride Alumni Club. You can also email us at alumni.northwestern.edu. If you liked something that you heard, please refer to the show notes. Thank you so much for listening. Look out for our next program date via email or social media and join us again. I'm Alicia Gomes shaw and this has been Who You.